Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host attorney Rodney Dowell here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys improve their practice. We're glad you could listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, Director of the Massachusetts Law Office Management Program, offering free consultations to Massachusetts attorneys to improve their business practices. You can find out more about our program at www.masslomap.org, and you can find one of our many articles about law office management at our Mass Low Map blog, The Law Practice Advisor, m-a-s-s-l-o-m-a-p.blogspot.com. Today, I've invited Ernie Svensson, sorry, Ernie, who practices at Svensson's Law Firm in New Orleans and writes the blog, Ernie the Attorney, PDF for Lawyers, and Digital Workflow CLE, and presents seminars and CLE on technology and paperless offices uh, at the ABA Tech Show and other programs around the country. Ernie, I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Oh, absolutely. Well, thanks for inviting me. I look forward to talking to you about being paperless and all that fun stuff. Uh, Oh, this is an exciting topic, and we uh, get questions about it uh, from attorneys all the time. So I'm really excited about having you on to help uh, help explain what's going on. So, Ernie, you've been operating a paperless office since 2005, I believe, and and you use your personal experience to help attorneys around the country become more efficient. Today, our listeners have a chance to learn the best practices for moving towards a safe, paperless office uh, through our discussion with you. So what I'd like to kind of set the stage, though, just to find out, you know, if this is dependent on a particular operating system, I mean, versus, you know, are you a Mac office or a Windows office? So do, is it dependent, and what operating system do you, you, do you use? It's not dependent, and I think that's an important question. It's a great question. Um, I mean, when I started out being paperless, and I really, I'd say I became paperless in 2005 completely, but I started in like 2000. And when I started, I was using Windows computers. I was at a law firm, and um, I was trying to figure out what the best thing to use was. And you know, my idea was whatever you use, it's going to have to be compatible with with everybody because you can't have something that's uh, paperless. I mean, paperless is essentially compatible with everybody, so you can't replace it with a system that's not compatible. So, uh, I, you know, I started using PDFs, and um, PDFs are compatible on Mac or PCs, and my system was kind of to do something that didn't depend on what kind of computer you use. And, you know, these days I have three computers. Two of them are Macs, and one is a PC that I use for certain specialized things. But my system is the same, depend, you know, on either computer. It does, it's not platform-dependent. It doesn't depend on where I am. It doesn't depend on any particular piece of hardware. It's just it's a, as broadly applicable as possible. Well, that's great. So tell me, in your experience working with attorneys, and based on your own experience, what are the primary reasons that attorneys uh, want to have a paperless office? Um, well, I mean, I think it. I think the best reason and the reason that that makes the most sense is if you have a paperless office, you can process information better. Um, I mean, we don't think of this, you know, we kind of look at paper and say, well, there's paper and we, you know, we deal with it. But 
I mean, all paper is is basically a container for information. And it's the container we've used for a long time, so we tend to conflate it with the information that we're dealing with. But it's not. It's just a container. And and if you break it apart and you kind of look at it for what it is, paper really is bulky. It's expensive to copy. It's, it's difficult to transmit. It's expensive to transmit. And it's vulnerable to things like wind, water, and fire. You know, I mean, paper is not something that you can easily back up. So people don't back it up. I mean, they may store it off-site, but it's not a backup. That's just when they're tired of dealing with it, they send it off-site. Whereas digital information, you know, can be quickly and easily and inexpensively copied, backed up, transmitted, and searched, you know, using computers. And those are all things that you can't do with paper. So... Really, if you want to do a better job of processing information related to your client's cases, then you're going to want to shift to a less paper-centric practice. And if you want to lower the stress associated with wrangling paper and finding lost documents and all that sort of stuff, then, you know, you want a less paper-centric practice. And so do you see that as a real uh, time efficiency kind of uh, improvement? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I when I first started doing it, I was just kind of poking around and I didn't really, I just, you know, I didn't really know what what was going to come of it. But as I took each step forward and I realized, well, okay, I'm looking at documents, for example, if I was reviewing documents and I realized, well, wait, if I put them on a computer screen, while I may not enjoy reading them on a computer screen as much as I do holding them in my hand, the time it takes me to flip or to wet my finger to spin the page, you know, with paper, and then not be sure if I got to and deal with all that, that takes more time than sitting there and hitting the button on your computer keyboard that says next page, next page, next page, next page. You know, you're just flipping through the thing, and then if you see something you like, you bookmark it, and you keep going. And it's just, with digital information, it's easier to, you know, lock in something that you've done and to move through information quicker. And you, you really begin to see it when you start doing it. I mean, you know, people will tell you this, and you, you think, yeah, theoretically, I get what you're saying. But until you actually do it, you don't appreciate fully how much more efficient it is. Well, and one of the questions I get, and I think especially from litigators, is, well, how am I going to use a paperless office, and how will it work for me? Do you find that any particular type of practice areas are, are better for making the paperless uh, office transition? Um, I wouldn't say that, a, you know, that there's a difference in terms of efficiency or benefit based on what area of law you practice. I mean, you know, they all pra- we all deal with information. I mean, that's the, that's the truth of the world we live in, whether you're a doctor, an engineer, a student, you know, any kind of research-based um, task involves sifting and processing information. And that's, you know, the entire legal system does that. Which areas of practice work best? It's they all work well. The difference is, I think, that some practice areas are kind of already moving toward electronic and digital information. I mean, if you practice in bankruptcy court or in federal court, where e-filing is a standard, and you're already dealing with a lot of PDFs, and if you do e-discovery, you're already having to deal with digital information at a higher level. Uh, you get a lot of email. You know, you're already de- dealing with digital information. Why not just make the transition so that you kind of untether yourself from the paper side of that, you know, that practice, and just scan the few remaining, you know, paper documents. I think those kind of practices where you just it's easier to move over because you're already doing a lot of that anyway, and then it makes sense, you know, to have only one system instead of two systems. That's that might be the difference, but not. In terms of benefit, everybody benefits. Yeah. 
Okay. And what are the, um, I, you and I have talked about this, I think, a little bit, and I, I saw you uh, present at the North Carolina Bar Association on this topic. And in particular, I think one of the things you brought up is what are the, the major impediments that you have found uh, with attorneys trying to become a paperless office? Well, I mean, when I started, and I, as I said, I started in 2000, the major impediment back then was technology. I mean, it wasn't, a lot of things weren't clear. Uh, you know, it was clear if you wanted to make something digital, you needed, and it was paper, you had to have a scanner. But then the scanners were expensive, and they were hard to configure, and, you know, you weren't sure what format to save it in. So there were a lot of issues for those, you know, in that time period where technology was the hurdle. That's no longer the case. Technology is not at all the hurdle. I mean, and and kind of it's funny because when I went through this process, because the technology was such a hurdle, I didn't see the other part of it as being a hurdle. So by the time I came out of the car wash and was paperless, you know, technology had gotten easy. And so I would turn to people and I'd say, well, you want to be paperless? I and mean, it's easy. Just get this scanner, get Adobe Acrobat, and just use them. You know, and I thought that was all it took. And then I began to realize, well, it really wasn't that easy for most people because what they really don't, um, what they really struggle with is the challenge of paper is a habit. You know, you know exactly what to do with it. It's so ingrained. You don't have to explain to anybody what to do with it. You just know without thinking what to do when you deal with paper. And so when you're going to shift from that to the, the digital side, you have to shed the habit of dealing with paper, which is one habit that you're breaking. And then you have to acquire simultaneously a new habit, which is the habit of dealing with digital information. And and so, it, you know, for one person, that can be a big challenge because, you know, it, it, well, I think shedding the paper is kind of easy. You know, you I mean, easier. You just kind of learn to say, well, I'm going to commit to being paperless. But as you shift over, you say, well, in paper world, I would do this this way. I would scan this first. And I would do this, and I would, or I would, you know, move this over and send this to Joe and put it in the file or whatever. But then with digital, it's like, well, do I scan it first or do I make a copy and send it to Joe for, you know, what is the workflow? And it's these series of little questions that come up in the digital side, none of which by itself is daunting, but taken collectively, they create a, a, a huge challenge for people who, who are trying to adopt a paperless practice. That's the big impediment is just dealing with those little questions. And that's really why uh, me and my friend Dane Cialino started the, the digital workflow website and then teaching people because it's those questions about, well, what do I do with this digital information that seem to present the greatest challenge? Well, and that's kind of a nice segue into my next question, which, you know, what are the steps that a firm should take to start moving towards these paperless uh, solutions? I mean, is there kind of a one uh, recipe for that works for every firm, or do they different firms need to take different steps? Or what? What's your answer? Um, well, I mean, I think different firms have different um, um, quantitative challenges, you know, and and so that's the that's one difference. So if you're in a firm of fifty lawyers and you say, well, we want to be paperless by, and you pick some target date, that's you know that's going to involve system level uh, issues that are already in place, and you're not going to be able to change those systems. I mean, if you have a document management system, you're going to have to work with that. And so that's that's one kind of strategic challenge. But in a smaller firm, you have less of that. But the overall strategic challenge for all of you know lawyers who want to become paperless, in my view, is that 
you have to you have to kind of go at it uh, methodically, and it, and that at first means slowly focus on you know small things, go slow at first, keep things simple as much as possible. You know, don't try to create, don't try to convert an entire office at once, which is you know, which is what happens when somebody in charge gets very enthusiastic about this. And I've seen this happen because, you, you know, they, they'll, once you grasp the benefits, you say, well, I just want to get through this and make the transition as quickly as possible. And that's great. That's a very laudable goal. But what you really need to do is acclimate people to this process because of what I just said earlier. And so you can't do that as much as you'd like to um, overnight. I mean, maybe in the military they can do it, but you can't, you know, it's very hard to do it in a law firm. And I think it kind of throws people off. And so I think the best way to do it is to pick a, one case that's starting up now and then just kind of put in place uh, the idea that you're going to do this as, as paperlessly as possible and keep things simple. And then as you do that one case and as it grows, you're not facing any sudden new quantum leap in the challenge. You're just kind of dealing with those day-by-day things that I talked about earlier, but you're addressing them day-by-day. And then after you finish with that case, you'll kind of have a much deeper understanding of what to do, and the people who participate in the process will know what to do. And then, you know, you take another case and expand it out to a bigger group of people, and then eventually the whole firm will get it. And there'll be a tipping point where things accelerate. But to say, you know, from one day to the next or that, you know, by next you know, six months from now, we're going to be paperless. It's kind of unrealistic, it seems to me. And do you think that's partly just because of difficulty of, as you were talking about before, people's habits, and so getting everyone to change their habits that quickly to is one of the big yeah. impediments to, to changing an office quickly? Yeah, I think so. And I think and it's, the other thing that it, what happens when you shift to a digital workflow or primarily digital workflow is it exposes people's true technical uh, expertise. Uh-huh. And that's not something that you tend to know about in a law firm. And, you know, you, of course, you hear this, I mean, the best per- place to hear about this is talk to people who do technology training in law firms. You know, they go around and they see lots of different kinds of users in lots of different kinds of environments. And invariably, they, you know, they come across people who have widely divergent skill sets and to the point where some people don't know how to attach things to emails or are afraid of, you know, moving things out of their inbox. And so I, one, of the, one of the things I tell people is if you, if you know you're going to be digital and, or you're planning on it, you're saying, I really want to do this, then before you get to the part where you're saying, well, I'm drawing up specs and I'm, I'm deciding when I'm going to shift over, make sure that everybody has the highest level of skill in dealing with email, in dealing with attachments, you know, pick something small to do, like, say, convert your uh, traditional fax machine system to one that's web-based, you know, start mo- creeping toward digital and doing what you already have in place much better. Like email is a biggie, you know, because we all deal with email and people deal with it in very different ways. Some people are very efficient. They have rules. The emails flow, you know, to, into the folder and they can read it and they're very good and they're very efficient. And other people have every email they've ever gotten in their inbox and it moves slowly and they can't search it. And that's, that's something, you know, that you learn not to do when your entire world is digital. You learn to be very efficient in processing information in ways that, you know, makes sense and allows the computer to do what it does well and, you know, doesn't make it more difficult and cumbersome. Well, and I think that's a great point about, uh, especially your discussion about the email, uh, because when you're talking about going into a digital paperless 
world, you want to have access to all the information, including the emails, uh, in 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 a location or a, a ability at least to come up with it quickly. And it seems to me a lot of people forget about the interplay of email with the rest of their case. Oh yeah, e- email is huge. I mean, like email is kind of what people people a lot a lot of people don't acknowledge this or think about it, but most people I know use their email inbox or their email program as kind of their uh, inbox, you know, their overall workflow, because, you know, it used to be the only thing that came to you as an inbox came to your physical inbox, at least when I started practicing law, that's how it was. And now you get these emails, well, that's in your inbox. And then if you get web-based faxing, which you should, that will come into your email inbox. And then if you have your voicemail messages converted to transcription, which you can easily do using all kinds of technology, that's going to come into your inbox. Now, all of a sudden, your inbox is getting a lot more stuff. So if you're not good at processing your email inbox and using your email program efficiently, then you're going to struggle more when you get more information flowing in there. So it sounds to me like when, as you talk about this with attorneys, this is one of the things that you work with them on also trying to integrate this entire digital world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you want to make it... I mean, my theory of it all is uh, you want to... It's kind of like a ninja or, you know, judo thing. You want to make as few moves as possible. You want to conserve energy. You know, you you want to do... You want to let the computer do what computers do well, which is deal with rote, boring information in a very predictable way. You know, like... So, you know, attorneys who don't set up folders to, to move stuff that relates to a case, you know, why not set up a rule for that? Once you set it up, you know, then the computer is going to do all that stuff automatically all the time. That's what computers are good at. So you, you want to be able to harness the ability of computers to automate the process, and then you want to, you know, learn how to, um, to work within that automated process as efficiently as possible. All right. Well, listen, Ernie, this is a great place to uh, take a short break. And when we return, we'll speak more with Ernie Svensson about creating the paperless office. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. Engage your brain. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and listen to all the great legal podcasts. Welcome back to the Unbillable Hour on Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, joined by Ernie Sinson from New Orleans. Blogger extraordinaire, I would say, running three blogs. Ernie uh, there's, are there any uh, specific tools that you recommend to the attorneys uh, when they're making this transition to the paperless office? Well, yeah. I mean, as I said earlier, I mean, you know, picking up where we were, you know, if you have Microsoft Outlook, which most people do, I'd say you have this tool, learn how to use it well, learn how to, you know, drag an email into the calendar to make it an appointment or a task, you know, learn that tool. But I think it's important to keep the number of tools you use to a minimum, because each new piece of software you introduce or each new tool means new training, and most people don't want to have to do that. So, I mean, basically, the only t- the key tools I think are Adobe Acrobat, because you're going to have PDFs. Um, you know, the federal courts require PDFs as their you know standard, and I think of pa- PDFs as sort of you know digital paper. 
So that's your digital documents as PDFs. Well, you want to be as comfortable as possible in working with PDFs as you can be. So that means you know, if you want to rotate a page or you want to take out a couple of pages or you want to insert some pages or you want to bait stamp or you want to apply a digital signature, all of that can be done from within Adobe Acrobat and many, many, many more things you know, that it would take me a long time to explain. So you know, the, the deal is if you're familiar with word processors or email programs or browsers, you need to become as familiar with a program that will let you manipulate PDFs and the best program to, to do that is Adobe Acrobat. I mean, there are lots of different ones that you can kind of use for small little tasks, but every one of those small little tasks that those programs do, you know, Acrobat can do. So why learn, you know, five little different programs that do little different tasks? Why not just learn one program that does all those tasks? And to me, that's Adobe Acrobat. So that's the first thing. And then the other thing is if you want to scan, which you're going to want to do because you're going to receive paper and you're going to have to make it into digital information, you need a scanner. And, you know, as I said earlier, it used to be the technology was tough. You didn't know what to get. Now it's the Fujitsu scan snap. And, I mean, I'm not a, I don't get any money from Fujitsu for saying this. I just say if you don't know what to get or if, even if you just kind of think you know what to get, unless you really, really are absolutely just a major guru, in which case you're not going to be listening to me because <laughs> uh, you either know as much as I do or more, you get the Fujitsu scan snap. And I say that. Because every person that I deal with in the tech world, we all know this. We all know it has one button. It's got a document feeder. It, it's the simplest thing to hook up. It works. And it comes, you know, you get a PC version or Mac version. Uh, and it comes with a full version of Adobe Acrobat. So, really, if you get the Fujitsu scan snap, you're going to get Acrobat. And basically, I think it's like 400 bucks for the, for the model that I usually recommend. And it, you could run a whole law firm off of off of that, you know, scanner you know, for the most part. So it's a really simple, easy tool. And those are basically the two tools I think you need. And, you know, you have to learn how to use them. And there's a lot that you can do with them. So you can spend a lot of time learning a lot of different things and tweaking them. But those are the tools right there. Adobe Acrobat and Fujitsu ScanSnap. A simple, easy place to start. Now, one of the what I hear a lot of people uh, suggest, and I, don't, I wanted to know if you agree with this or not, is that when you're doing a paperless office and you have two or three people, that you should actually have one of the one of the uh, Fujitsu scan uh, scanners on every desk, so it makes it easy. Yes, yes, I definitely recommend that. And and what happens, and I've seen this before. I'll re- you know I give a talk, and then people say, "Oh, I get it, I get it, I get it." I'm gonna, and then they go. And they buy a bigger scanner, you know, something that makes coffee and, you know, and has a TV built in. Or, I mean, I'm exaggerating, obviously, but, you know, they, they would, they'll get the best scanner saying, well, I want to have this one scanner and then everybody can use it. And that's, a, that's one of those counterintuitive things. It sounds like a great idea. It's not. Because what you really want is you want to make it so that uh, everybody can scan the loose pieces of paper that are close by them without having to stand in line and wait because as soon as you get that bottleneck going, people aren't going to do it, especially for something that's new. I mean, they, they, they might do it to make a copy of something or to send a fax because they're used to that, but they're not going to do it when it comes to scanning if that's a new system that you're implementing. And the other reason to do it is because, as I keep saying, it comes with a full version of Acrobat. You know, everybody's going to need a copy of Acrobat to manipulate, and you, know, you have to think of Acrobat as kind of like a tool like your word processor or your browser. You don't say, well, we're going to have a browser or a word processor down the hall and people can, can use it you know, when they want. 
you wouldn't do that because that's a critical tool. And the same is going to be true for Acrobat. So you're going to want everybody to have a copy. And if you do that, you know, Acrobat costs like 300 bucks. Why not just get the scanner that costs $400, you know, because then you get the $300 software or $200 software, and the scanner only costs 200 and you hook it up, and you don't have to worry about, you know, people waiting in line. It's, it's, it's just, it's one of those things that you can't, I can't emphasize that enough because people always want to say, oh, well, I'll just get a better scanner, or I have a better scanner, and I don't need to do that. And you do. I mean, you might not need the scanner on a partner's desk who isn't going to scan his own stuff, but for sure, every you know, paralegal or secretary or associate or whoever is adept at using you know, computers, you're going to want a scanner on their desk. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm going to ask you kind of for the short uh, summary of this, but uh, one of the things I really thought was incredible was your story about how going paperless made you— uh, made it possible for you to be back in business quickly after uh, New Orleans was hit with the hurricane. Can you just kind of tell us how, how this worked to, to make you sure. uh, basically a, a flexible uh, uh, office and able sure. to get back up into business? Yeah, well, I mean, it really, Katrina, Hurricane Katrina really drove the point home for me because at that time I was still working at the big law firm and I liked it, you know, and I mean, still good friends with the big law firm folks and everything, and, you know, it's all good. But it was weird because I was kind of, as I became more technologically curious and was doing all this stuff, you know, and Katrina hit in 2005, so that's why I say I really became paperless. It was like, you know, before that I was just kind of experimenting, and I was fully into my experiment because I had been scanning all my stuff. I was using uh, the cloud to store things. I was using, I had a web log. I was using Google Mail, and so when the hurricane hit, all of this law firm's resources were down. The servers were down, the email was down, the phones were down, the fax machines didn't work, the time and billing was down. Everything was you know, shut down as long as New Orleans was shut down, which was for six weeks, and my stuff was all up. And it made me think, well, gee, you know, you, normally you join an organization or you pool resources and share capital costs so that you can distribute the load and the burden and, and so forth of administering and dealing with and paying for all of the stuff. And here I was kind of playing around with these tools that were cheap or free, and my stuff all worked. And I realized then that, you know, if you want to, if you want to do this, there's nothing standing in your way. I mean, if you're working in a law firm and you say, well, the law firm won't let me do it, the odds are you could probably do it if you just spend, you know, the 400 bucks on the scanner and, have them allocate to you some network space. And, you know, you can start doing it yourself if you want to. But it, it's, again, it's not an impediment of size or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. It's pretty simple. And you can take ownership and do it yourself. And so after Katrina, I went out on my own because I figured, well, why not? You know, and, and all my stuff is backed up. It all works. I have a system where if I, you know, create a new document or do something on one computer, it's backed up immediately to the to the Internet and then synchronized immediately to any other computer I have that's connected to the Internet. And it's a simple system. It doesn't have a lot of moving parts, and it's not expensive, and anybody can do it. Well, Ernie, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. And that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. And I really want to say, again, thanks uh, so much for joining us today, Ernie. Sure. It's well, always thank you a- for having me. Always a pleasure. Thanks. And can you tell our listeners where they can go to uh, find out more about your thoughts about uh, Paperless Office? 
Sure. Uh, well, the main hub is my Ernie the Attorney blog, and if you just Google Ernie and Attorney, those two words, or even, frankly, Attorney would probably work, you'll find the weblog. And from the weblog on the top side, you'll see links to my PDF for Lawyers site, my digital workflow site, my law firm site, all my contact information. Everything is there on the Ernie the Attorney weblog. Excellent, excellent. And you can find out more about me, Rodney Dow, masslowmap.org, and read about our blog at masslowmap.blogspot.com and on Twitter at, at Rodney Dow, where I hope we can continue this discussion in 140 characters or less. I hope you'll join us again on the next on Billable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour. Law Practice Advisory Podcast with Attorney Rodney Dowell. Join us again for the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, These immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.